When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're in the right place. Black and Teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. Welcome to the playoffs, Duval. This is the 58th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I think we're officially on AARP now as a podcast. Yeah, we're getting up we have there. to be 55 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we've been around for a minute now, wrapping up our second season. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Jaguars are in the playoffs for the first time since 2007. We have our first home playoff game in Jacksonville since 1999, a season in which the Jaguars and Bills both made the playoffs. They both make the playoffs again. However, 1999 was the last time the Bills made the playoffs. And uh, they'll be facing off this uh, Sunday, 1 p.m., Everbank Field. We can't wait for it. Scott Klein, Hunter Evans, how are we doing today, boys? Cold. <laughs> Just it is trying cold. to make it. We are in the midst of by far the coldest day so far mm-hmm. in Jacksonville this year. It's been fun. I like it. A lot of people freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I was ready for snow. I love the cold. I hope it's cold on Sunday. Bring it. It's going to be a balmy 60 degrees. Yeah. It'll be chilly, but not, <laughs> yeah. not this. Oh, yeah. And certainly not what the Jaguars had to deal with last week in uh, Tennessee, where they fell to the Titans, unfortunately, for the second time this season. Uh, it's rough. It's rough losing to the Titans twice in a year, especially a year you make the playoffs. It's like, why can't we just beat the Titans? It's just, it's just a – it's just – they're always gonna be that pain in our ass, <laughs> no matter how good. Somebody's got to do it. If the Texans yeah. and Colts are garbage, I guess the Titans <laughs> have to step up. True. So it is what it is. But uh, shout out to Bold City Brewery, one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack Podcast. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Online at boldcitybrewery.com, and you can check them out on Roselle Street in Riverside. Or over in downtown East Bay Street. You might not want to be driving over the bridges this evening as they could get a little ice development up there. But we'll see how that goes. Um, We have an awesome tailgate planned for this weekend. Going to be a little bit different than usual. We will be at the Strata Sounds Warehouse, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. It's right by the stadium uh, where Strata... Strata works out of there, the local clothing company, as long with Fresh Threads, and they've turned it into a little bit of a venue. So we'll be over there. We will have free beer until kickoff. Hooray! 
a watch party after kickoff begins where there will be beer that I don't believe is going to be free anymore. But you have free beer from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. up to kickoff. We'll be out there selling Jim Jag merchandise, rocking to some live DJs, having a good time. <coughs> Hunter Evans, did you end up selling your tickets or are you going? I'm going. I, I can't. You gotta go. Gotta I, go. Yeah. Like it was really tempting because I mean, with a kid and another on the way, yeah. that's a lot of damn diapers. Yeah. Especially like mm-hmm. if I sold it to for like the five six hundred dollars I've seen tickets going for, but I broke it down into the fact that the next time the Jags been under the playoffs, if we go off of history, at home. My kid will be 20 or 21. Yeah. I can't so, wait that long. Hopefully it's not that long. Yeah. But I, I can see you also, playing. Also, a little breaking news. Breaking news. If you're in Jacksonville and you need a folding plastic table, you need to buy it now. The city of Jacksonville is banning folding plastic tables to people with out-of-state IDs. What? And only one table if you have an in-state ID. Why? Bill's Mafia, man. They don't want to break in tables, I guess. <laughs> I'm gonna do a little. I'm gonna do a little research. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's an interesting bit of news. Pretty insignificant, I'd say. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure to follow Scott Klein on Twitter at Scott Klein One. Follow Hunter at Coach H underscore Evans. You can follow myself at Jordan Delugo. Again, this is the Gen Jag podcast. You can find us online at GenJag.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, make sure to check out our gear page. We've got all sorts of fun stuff. Jackson 5, AJ is my boy, although we're running extremely low on those. Uh, Saxonville t-shirts <laughs> and hoodies. All Hail Lord Ramsey shirts. All sorts of fun stuff. Check it out, genjag.com. We make this stuff for you guys so you can enjoy being a Jaguar fan and uh, show some pride. So, playoff tickets did get sold out. The Jaguars were also able to remove tarps from the stadium, which is going to be awesome. We haven't seen this in years for a Jaguar game. Obviously, for the uh, bowl game and the Gator game, or Florida-Georgia game every year, they get uh, extra seating in there and they remove the tarps, but this will be the first Jaguar game without tarps. When was the last time? Many, many years. I don't even remember the last time. I can't remember the date or the year. The last time the Jaguars weren't playing with tarps, but it opened up 3,000 more seats. There's going to be about 70,000 people in there. It's going to be completely packed. It was almost completely packed for Seahawks and Texans games. This is going to be a whole other level of intensity. I feel like they're underselling the amount of people, though, that are going to be there. Because they said, I think, what, 69,000, a little over Mm 69,000? But they just released, like, 1,000 tickets. Well, they didn't release them. They're sending 1,000 people to the game. They just released active duty uh, military tickets. Uh, apparently, the Bills just bought. Uh, they have seven thousand tickets. They were able to sell in the city of Buffalo. So it just seems like there's a lot more fans than sixty nine thousand going to be there. I feel like a lot of a lot of the tickets were bought up by that's possible. Stubhub it just and all these seems broker websites. It wouldn't surprise me if they're over seventy thousand. If they're Not like 71, 72, somewhere around that, especially with the standing room only. Yeah, it's going to be something else. <laughs> Imagine the people that are not even going in the game, though. It's going to be crazy. They were, I've seen people, Bills fans, who are said they're going to come down, they're going to come and come down here trying to get tickets, and, and if just, not, then just tailgate and find a bar to watch, to watch the game at. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Yeah, Intuition's going to be busy. Oh, Bold <laughs> yeah. Town's going to be crazy. Bold City Brewery's going to be busy. They're a little bit further off, but I, th- I think they'll still get plenty of business. That means get down there early. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know we'll be down there early. We'll get, get that tailgate set up. Get, we got a couple kegs of Bold City Brewery beer we're going to have out there. We can't wait for it. So, again, we'll be at 240 Talleyrand in the Strata Sounds warehouse. Excuse me. For our tailgate. And uh, should be a ton of fun over there. Now, Bills fans, we mentioned them coming down here. They're not only invading Jacksonville. Unfortunately, they're invading our Facebook pages. <laughs> We've got Bills fans joining the We Are Jaguars Facebook group and just going in there and trolling. We've got Bills fans following the Generation Jaguar page and trolling our posts. And then people are going so far as to actually review Generation Jaguar on Facebook and leave one-star reviews. Oh, that's kind of messed up. So <laughs> now we've got our anti-Bills task force on there on Facebook trying to give us some better reviews. Because, like... I think 15 Bills fans have gone on there and left one-star reviews, and that doesn't help out the average there. (laughs) So if you can help us out, we'd really appreciate that. I think we've got plenty of people on the job right now trying to uh, get that rating back up, but it was 4.9 out of 5 going into the day. Dropped to 4.3. I think it's starting to creep back up a little bit. But if you guys could help us out, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, Bills fans being obnoxious. Opposing players being obnoxious. Jarrell Casey came out after the game and basically called Blake Bortles a choker. Said as long as he's back there, he's going to choke. This adds to a long line of players, media, that have just come out and just really gotten on Blake Bortles' case. And it's been a it's been a storyline that's been happening over the last couple of years. He had a really bad season last year. Um, some Jaguar players were reported as coming out not supporting Blake Bortles. I calling mean, him a saw, basket case, either. Yeah, you saw Jalen Ramsey liking posts about Jaguars <laughs> getting new quarterbacks, getting rid of Blake Bortles. Uh, you've seen a lot of it around the league. Earl Thomas uh, was talking smack about Bortles. Tons of guys have done it. Jarrell Casey's the latest uh, opponent or former opponent for the Jaguars that's to come out and done it. It is just kind of crazy to see all these players go against Blake Bortles. You don't see it that often. Like, there's tons of poor, <coughs> poor quarterback play in the NFL. How Why does everyone seem to gravitate towards... How many people have jumped on Deshaun Kaiser? I, it was absolutely I think it's because it's an easy target. It's yeah. uh, One is the Jaguars. Everybody loves making fun of the Jaguars. Yeah. They always like to find something wrong. And that's been the case forever. Uh, two, it's Bortles. People He's, like making fun of the Browns too, though. But it's different. Like I think at this point, people feel bad for the Browns. They're they're still because, bad. Yeah, like <laughs> they're, they're trying to knock us when we're winning. You yeah. know what I mean? If the Browns go and win a Super Bowl next year, I don't think you're gonna have people being like, "Oh, the Browns still suck." People are gonna be like, "You know what, Browns? Good for you guys." Like <laughs> they've been putrid. I think there's a different level of like. They just feel bad for the Browns, and they just don't like the Jaguars. I don't know if it's because our fans are so petty and savage, like, or what it is. But everyone, everything about this team is just maybe it's the Duval chant. The like they just don't understand. They don't understand the DTWD. Like, who knows? But and I think Bortles is just an easy target because he's been in the league for four years. He's been consistently underwhelming, I guess. And it's like look at the national media. 
like they don't go after quarterbacks like they do Bortles. Usually. Right. Yeah. It's been the national media. It's been players. Yeah, it's like it's a really weird combination of whatever has happened throughout his career and different things that have been said by other people that have just made a really odd. What what odd other situation? It's what a, other quarterback has regularly been a punchline for jokes across the league? I mean, Bortles There's, is easily. I yeah, the, the the, it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I just think he's it's an easy train to jump on. It's yeah. a really easy train, and I feel like it's a train that, even though they're doing well, most people feel confident that the train's gonna you know it's gonna go south. Everything's gonna go bad in sure. the next year or so. So I think. That being said, people are just being assholes and you know think they're funny, but whatever. Well, Big Ben joined the party. He wasn't making fun of Blake Bortles, but he came out and said he wanted to play the Jaguars again in the playoffs. Uh, I'll remind you, <laughs> a bit of a mess. Ten years ago, uh, the Jaguars became the only team to ever beat the Steelers twice at Heinz Field in one season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think the Jaguars would have a good chance of doing that again if they're able to take care of business against the Bills this week. Why on earth would Ben Roethlisberger, A, think that he wants to play the Jaguars, and B, come out and say it? You're just poking a Jaguar. Yeah, I mean, he wants, <laughs> he wants to be able to get that taste out of his mouth. Just to say, you know, that game was a fluke. It's not going to happen again. He wants the opportunity. Right. This is a guy that came out after the game that's and why, basically though. questioned whether or not he still has it. That's That's got to be why. Yeah. Like It's like getting at, back at that ex-girlfriend that broke your heart. Like, the Jaguars literally made him question if he could play football anymore he, at this level. And he's had about, I think, ten weeks to really play game. well. Yeah. And that you think he's got a picture stuff? of like the, the Jackson 5 <laughs> hanging up in his room yeah. or something? Who knows? Like. I just think it's awesome. Like, like, do, does it feel like the Jaguars are like almost like a, a dark horse in the playoffs? Like, not really an underdog, but they're the team that just no one wants to see succeed. They're one of the way. they're yeah. one of the few teams currently in the playoffs that have an elite entire side of the football, let alone <coughs> position grouping. Right. Yeah, their defense is one of the top three or four groups on either side of the ball in the entire NFL. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and people are still not really talking about us yeah, because of offensive issues. But if you have a defense like that who can single-handedly win you a game, if they're playing how they can play, that's, I mean, <laughs> you go on a hot streak, who, who can stop it? Well, at the beginning of December, no, nobody could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Jaguars get to return home where they've played well as of late. But uh, we'll get into injury update here real quick. Cam Robinson, back at practice today. He was limited with his abdomen injury. He missed the Jaguars' last contest against the Titans. I would say the Jaguars definitely missed him in that one. Uh, Brian Arakpo was able to get after the quarterback a little bit. And Robinson's really biggest impact comes in the run game where he he moves people off the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. His backup, Josh Wells, is not moving people off the line of scrimmage. So, the Jaguars' recipe for success in the playoffs is getting back to being able to run the ball and not have to have Blake Bortles win you the game. Cam Robinson goes a long way towards being able to do that. Yeah, they they, they got to do something. Um, Wells, over the past two weeks, has just been a revolving door. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's, been real pretty. It's been brutal. Um, but he's back at practice, Robinson is. He <laughs> believes he'll be able to play this week. So that's good to see. 
You need to have him back. Avery Jones, he's back at practice. He also missed last week. The Jaguars' defense didn't miss him much. Uh, they were able to stifle Derrick Henry pretty damn well, <coughs> considering he was a really he was really scary heading into that game. Oh, yeah. As Jaguars uh, fans, after he just went off in the second half against the Jaguars in Week Two, but the Jaguars were able to slow him down. Um, but Avery Jones being back is always good. He's a key cog in the Jaguars' run defense. And Plus it gives you just that much more quality depth. Right. It absolutely does. Now Marquise Lee, Mercedes Lewis, Donald Payne, they were all out of practice Wednesday. <clears throat> Marquise Lee and Mercedes Lewis are still battling ankle injuries. They both are starters on offense. Mercedes Lewis has had a much bigger <clears throat> impact on the passing game than you would have expected this year. Uh, he's a guy that you want to have out there, especially, in, again, getting back to running the ball, the ground and pound. And Marquise Lee, he's not the most consistent receiver out there, but your receiver group right now just is not consistent. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that they certainly want to have out there and is potentially one of their biggest playmakers and most reliable threats downfield. Yeah, and get a guy who can get off the bus and be ready to play. I mean, it just it just seems like the past couple of weeks, they haven't really had that at wide receiver. So just having as many bodies as you can – to be able to get somebody in there, yeah, it's gonna it, it'll be huge. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, Lashawn McCoy, maybe bigger than any of the Jaguars' injury news, is gonna be whether or not Lashawn McCoy can play this week against the Jaguars. He's by far the Bills' most important player on either side of the ball. Uh, he's a fantastic running back, start and stop, agility, long speed. Quickness. He's just got it all at the running back position. He's not going to run you over too often, but he is, in my mind, one of the top five runners in football, and he has been for quite some time. And he's certainly one of the top five home run hitters in football. So if he's unable to play or if he does play and can't make his usual cuts with that ankle injury, that is going to be a huge boost for the Jaguars because it seems very difficult to find another way for the Bills to have sustained success on offense besides just feeding the rock to LaShawn McCoy. Uh, so that is obviously something to monitor throughout the week. He did not practice in Wednesday's practice. I doubt he'll practice all week. I think he'll probably just rest up that ankle and get a cortisone shot or whatever he needs to get uh, ready and get out there. And I, I think they'll try to trot him out there at least. I mean, the Bills haven't been to the playoffs, like we said, since 99. This is a franchise that's going to do everything they can to win this game. Yeah, it's, it's do or die. I mean, are you going to leave your best player on the bench if he's got a shot of playing? Even if he's 85%, get him on the field. I mean, if he can, if he can run and, and do half the things that he's capable of, he's still a dangerous player. No doubt about it. And he, he's a guy the Jaguars are preparing to go up against this week. Um, Doug Marone is preparing through practice this week as if LaShawn McCoy is going to play. Uh, if he doesn't play, you're going to see a heavy dose of Mike Tolbert back there, which is really interesting. <laughs> I mean, he seems like the ageless wonder at this point. But uh, he's moved around the league quite a bit as a fullback and backup running back. Unfortunately, we need to talk about what happened in Nashville this past week. Jaguars versus Titans on New Year's Eve. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Uh, what were y'all's biggest thoughts coming out of this? 
out of this embarrassing loss? I mean, I think it at first it looked like unenthusiastic football on the Jaguar side. It almost <clears throat> you could just tell that the Titans had something to play for, and the Jaguars didn't really look like that at first. Um, the defense played well all game, but even in the first quarter, I think they looked a little bit just like they were there. They knew they were better, and they just kind of played football. Towards the end of the game, the defense I thought was amazing mm-hmm. and just completely stifled, you know, the Titans' offense. Um, I, I don't know. It was it was bad. Offense was terrible. It was. Josh Wells was a revolving door. Receivers just can't catch the ball or something. Uh, it was. It was yeah, D.D. Westbrook dropped a clear touchdown. Oh, easy. It, it was just. Keelan Cole catching the ball on first down and then fumbling it. Yeah. And giving them the ball back and inside the 30. Yeah, he fumbled the ball. Kind of alligator arming a ball. That yeah, D.D. Yeah, he just. If he, if he sticks his arms out, it's a catch. Yeah, or at least a just shot at a catch. I just think it was it was a mixture of bad football with not quite wanting to be there, cold as hell, yeah. just not. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to make excuses, but you got to win the game no matter what. But at the end of the day, there it was just bad. I did see some <clears throat> flashes from Leonard Fournette of yeah. kind of the guy that was running earlier in the season. Um, as long as run was still only nine yards, though, yeah, got to get that up. It's it wasn't. I mean, they they, they weren't. He wasn't getting a lot of room to run, but no, he was still pushing he, the pile. He was he was running behind his pads, and he hasn't ran behind his pads in a while. And a yeah. lot of his runs have been just kind of falling down, or yeah. running out of bounds. There was a couple times where he lowered a shoulder and just ran, tried to run through a guy, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's something we haven't seen since the, what the Steelers game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's always good to see. I think. It just it started at the very beginning when the Titans, whether you want to call it slightly dirty play or whatever, they were just more aggressive up front and they were they were whipping the Jaguars for the most part. Um, I think the Jaguars stayed in the game for so long because they were a better team, but they lost the game in the long run because they just didn't want to be there. Yeah, if you look at it, the Texans or Texans, the Titans had one good offensive play. Yeah, in the entire game, sixty-yard touchdown. Well, they could have had several more if Eric Decker didn't Decker. have so many times. Hey, Eric Decker was the Jaguars' best player on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the, the one long play, that's about it. And it was a, a terrible angle. Uh, it, looks like, it looked like Gibson just kind of was okay with being blocked, kind of set the edge, mm-hmm. and just was okay with staying there. Um, didn't want to take on the lineman. And then uh, I want to – I can't remember. I think it was Boye. Was Boye the one that missed the tackle coming down? On Derrick Henry kind of whiffed him. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Just kind of, oh yeah, just yeah. kind of dives low at the legs and just kind of makes a, a lackluster effort. But, but even then, you give up one offensive touchdown on one good play, right? That's and especially when the Jaguars' offense was putting the Jaguars' defense in such terrible position yeah. the entire oh, game. Yeah, they really <laughs> stepped up. It was a really impressive effort, in my opinion, from the Jaguars' defense, and it was capped off with. A unique Ngakwe uh, scoop and score from 60-some-odd yards out where he had an awesome caravan <laughs> guiding him downfield. I love Ramsey. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was he had Derrick Henry. Yeah, it was Derrick Henry. He, he at the just very kind of shows end, him, yeah. Just knocks him on his head. I think <laughs> the best thing from the, the game, though, like, 
the one the biggest thing I'll remember from that game is Jalen Ramsey <clears throat> stepping up and taking on Delaney Walker. That was and not awesome. going low. He squared him up and he hit knocked him, him back yeah. a couple. Yeah. That that yeah. was the best thing. The like we mentioned a couple times, but we failed to mention one of them. The young receivers really struggled. Jaden Mickens. Right. What was going on in that game? Uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> uh, he back for a punt, calls for a fair catch, and then proceeds to instead of trying to catch the ball, he just threw himself to, into threw the, himself into the <laughs> oncoming defender. It was like complete he, mental lapse on the field. He's done it before. He's he's done that same type of technique where you kind of bait him in and you try and knock him away from the ball like that. Yeah. We've got a couple of touchbacks off of it. But the fact that he was directly under the ball in perfect position yeah, to catch it, that was, that's what doesn't make sense. To me, it looked like he was trying to bait the catch interference. Kick catch interference. It was just, that was dumb. And then the, the fumbled punt. Like, and that's, yeah, it was a rough, <coughs> really rough game for Mickens. Yeah, it, it's just a young kid probably trying, maybe getting a little bit too cocky, a little bit ahead of himself, and trying to do too much. But. And and you know, Joe DiCamillis is gonna he's gonna have his ear. <laughs> yeah, we did block week. another extra point. Yeah, We've been, absolutely. Jalen Myrick, uh, can't remember his name. Myrick, Jalen. Is it Jalen Myrick? Yeah. He man, he's over the last couple games have been has been getting so close blocking kicks. I know he didn't block this one on the last game. I think it was Telvin Smith. Yeah, it was. But. He man, he gets around the edge so quick. Well, he gets close too, blocking yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, uh, if that's something the Jaguars can try to keep building off of into the playoffs, that's the type of play that can win you a playoff game. Yeah. So that's huge. Getting those uh, blocked kicks. You'd think it'd be coming from Calais Campbell, but you know, wherever you can get it, you'll take it. So that's that's really good to see. Uh, but yeah, those. Those young receivers, Mickens, Westbrook, and Cole, really fell back down to earth. They really, out of maybe anyone on the entire team, if they can rebound and play well against the Bills, then you could be looking at a much different result for the Jaguars. Yeah, to me that was kind of what I expected earlier in the season as far as growing pains. They just all had it on the same exact game. Yep. <laughs> and it... It was jarring because it's not something we'd seen very much of over the past couple weeks. I think it had a lot to do with the unfortunate weather conditions. Yeah. You never want to make that an excuse, but, uh, but it's it, different catching the ball when it's 10 degrees outside than when it's 50 degrees outside. Do you mm, know what I mean? I would say that, but all those guys should have played in the weather before. I mean, Jaden Mickens comes from Washington. It's cold up there, right. too. So, I don't know. It's just... I really don't know. Like I was watching the game and just confused the whole time. I think it was it's just it was just another game where I feel like they didn't they never really showed up at well, least on the offensive side of the football. And it looked the play calling was it looked very vanilla with what they were trying to do. They weren't yeah. really taking many shots. And I think you saw the frustration when Bortles was talking to yeah they got into uh, it Daniel Hackett a couple of times. <clears throat> I don't know if it was frustration at what was just going on or play calls or what was going on. I mean, you can't make that assumption. But it <clears throat> from the couch, you know, watching the game, it, it looked very vanilla, just kind of let's stay healthy and not show too much. Yeah. Um, and in, in the end, it's a meaningless game. 
Well, we, we, I wouldn't say that. I'd say every game has a meaning. Like, well, as far in the grand scheme of things, as far as our playoff positioning. <laughs> well, at the end of the year, when they say who the Super Bowl champion is, they're not going to say, "Well, the Jaguars didn't win the Super Bowl because of that game." Yeah, I mean that's that's. They're that. not going to say, "Oh, they won the Super Bowl," but they really they limped it. They, in the they lost. And, no, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I think it puts a sour taste in fans' mouth. It's that's a game I 100% wanted to win. It yeah, might, it's bad exactly. optics. That's all it is. Yeah. It might not mean anything inside that locker room, Could. but outside of it, it does. I, I think personally, I think inside the locker room, they wanted to play the Titans again almost after it. But I think as a fan, and maybe even now, the players see how the playoff kind of fell into place, and it's like, oh, yeah, as we get the Bills. As <laughs> soon as that game was over, I was like, okay. But Bengals game is on. Let's see. Let's see what can happen. And it. And I was like, I'm not glad we lost, but it sets us up. Yeah. That so well. The end results of what happened on Sunday set the Jaguars up with a favorable matchup in the first round of the playoffs. And in my opinion, a much more favorable matchup in the second round of the playoffs oh, if they are to make it to the second round. I I would much rather. If I'm the Jaguars, go up to Pittsburgh and try to win where you know you've already won against a team that you feel you have a very good competitive advantage against them versus Tom freaking Brady. Yeah, now you're going to play him in the second round. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it was such a mix of emotions on Sunday. Like I was so pissed off at how bad the offense looked. But yeah. It was very exciting to see the defense play as well as they did because I don't think they've had that aggression in the past couple of weeks. And I think right, I even yeah, texted they all. needed to respond from yeah. that uh, butt whipping the 49ers yeah. offense handed to them. I think I even texted y'all. It was either y'all or somebody else that the defense was just playing pissed off. Yeah. And it just looked angry to the point. I mean, to Sean Gibson and the corners and Boya in them, they're playing up in the box almost, making tackles yeah. on Derrick Henry and stepping up and actually hitting him, not just. Barry Church made some plays in that yeah, game. Yeah, it was a very welcoming sight. Uh, the D-line got after it, that's for sure. Um, it, the offense is just – it was very, very, very underwhelming. Um, and as a fan, it's frustrating, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, it's it's worrying coming off two mediocre games, mediocre to just ugly football games. Um We'll see. I mean, Sunday you show up or you go home. Yeah, it's a one-game season. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, I mean, Nothing that matter. happens before this matters. Yeah, It's all about coming out and beating the Bills on Sunday. And the Jaguars inside the locker room, you can tell they're pretty confident that if they play their game, they're going to win this game. But they felt that way the last two weeks as well, or at least they acted as though they felt that way. Again. I really don't want to see – there's a fine line between – Confidence, and cock- overconfidence, yeah. cock- and cockiness. You know what I mean? I think they were over cock- overconfident going into the 49ers and even the Titans. I think that showed a little bit. by like They almost had an arrogance about them. And I think the type of comments they were making before the game and the type of comments they were making after. Like Marcel Darius's comments after the game, I think were not confidence comments as much as they were just pissed off and... Yeah. Like at a break, like at a point where it's like okay, like enough's enough. Because ten- Tennessee is not a good football team. No, and I, I don't, don't think. And I think the Jaguar players, at least from the comments that I've seen, they look pissed off and they sound like they're just at a point where it's like, why are we letting teams beat us yeah. that should not be beating us? And it's a young team. 
It is very. I young. think they're one in the top five of the youngest rosters. In yeah, the they're still one of the younger rosters, but. You I mean, grow does, up. Yeah. I mean, our window is here. Yeah. We're in the playoffs. We just won ten games. There's no more time to sit and watch and learn and prepare. And you now go yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, you got to do it. I mean, so, does does Borles or does the performance by the offense worry y'all a super lot? Like, does it really affect y'all and how you think they're going to perform? Or that's that's what I I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I honestly. It doesn't worry me too much because both of those were road games. Mm-hmm. Both of them were in, uh, I mean, San Francisco, Santa Clara is not a harsh environment, but traveling west is always tough. And then playing in the super cold, you know, 10 degree weather, that's also difficult. And the Jaguars <laughs> have played very well despite that poor performance against the Titans um, on offense in December. You know, even against the 49ers, the Jaguars' mm-hmm. offense wasn't the issue. Yeah. They were moving the ball very well. Uh, and obviously you saw what they did against the Colts, Texans, and Seahawks. They were able to put up a bunch of points against those teams recently. And I think the Jaguars are playing really well at home. Yeah. They've won five straight games at home. I think that overall I'm not too worried about what you saw from the offense the last week and the defense the week before that. But uh, there are certainly some questions heading into the playoffs and. I want to get y'all's just overall feeling on the team heading into the playoffs. I feel, I feel good. I mean, the, the last two games, I, I, for me, it's so hard not to get worked up over a game just because I put so much into it while I'm watching it that it's hard to just separate myself from being just a f- fanatical person. But for, at the end of the last two games, it was always – all right, well that game's over. We still we got the playoffs coming up. We got the Titans coming up. Up, oh, well that that game didn't really go too well. So I mean it's they played so well and were one of the best teams in the NFL. We we won seven to nine games mm-hmm. or, or it's, I think six or seven. It was but seven of nine. <clears throat> you you're going through a rough patch here, missing one of your starters on the offensive line. You're just now starting to get back to one, maybe two of your veteran wide receivers. It's I, I still feel good. Um, I don't like the, the two hiccups at the end of the season. You don't want to see that. No, it's not the way you want you you game plan. All things considered, hit. though, how are you feeling? Are you? I mean, in meaningful football games, we've shown up. Yeah. To the past two weeks. For me, is like senior. No bearing. On yeah, it's just you can season. see the finish line, and it's like, all right, now we just got to play these two games, and then the real season starts. Yeah, and I think it might be similar to what you saw in the preseason. <coughs> yeah, the team that knew the preseason didn't matter. I mean, uh, and they came out and they played like crap during the preseason. I think these last two weeks are kind of kind of reminiscent of that, and maybe getting into the playoffs will be similar to getting into the regular season yeah. for this team. And uh, playing, playing every week, you know, you're playing for your season every week. Uh, what do you think, Hunter? Hmm. I don't – I'm still kind of on the fence, I think, with this team. Like, the offense, I feel – I wouldn't say I'm not confident. I don't think I'm confident. Like, 
I'm on the fence about the whole team. I don't have anything that they've done that's like, oh, yeah, they're going to push really hard in the playoffs or something that says, oh, they're just going to flop out in the playoffs. <clears throat> Somewhere in between, I think, if they can have any semblance of a run game in the playoffs, mm-hmm. they're going to win some games. Oh, yeah. I think if Bortles can play just like an average quarterback, they're yep. going to win some games. I think the defense is good enough to carry this team through the playoffs, but they can't have one or two guys just failing. Like They're not that good yet, I don't think, especially on the offense. And I don't think any <coughs> Super Bowl-winning team has that. I mean, everybody has to be clicking. Yeah, and I, I think that's the – even – so it doesn't have to be really clicking, just not screwing everything up. <laughs> you know, like – Stupid penalties and stupid turnovers and missed opportunities are things you cannot waste in the playoffs. And that's not just speaking to the bad throws that Bortles makes or the, the interceptions he's throwing. It's the, the special teams mistakes or the stupid uh, personal fouls that they're getting. The drops. <clears throat> the drops. Yeah, fumbles. The missed blocks, miscommunication, a couple missed tackles here and there. It's everywhere. I think you just have to play the football that you know how to play that they've been playing for the most of the year, really. Like I, I feel pretty confident out of the 16 games they played, you could take 12 to 14 games of Bortles and be like, put that guy in the playoffs, and you're pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the offensive line. You could take 8 to 12 games of the offensive line and be like, okay, I'll take that any day of the week. Right. <clears throat> so I think they just got to be able to find that, that zone where they're playing their best football and they're playing smart football. So... Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in the team. I do think that they could beat any team in the playoffs and that they could lose to any team in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I really do believe that. Just depends on if they show up um, if they show up for the certain whatever game they've got going on. And this first round, it's the Bills. But before we get hot and heavy into the Bills preview, I'll just throw out a couple things that I really uh, – I'm thinking about this Jaguars team as we head into the playoffs. I was doing some research about Bortles and his interceptions today. So, he's threw at least one interception in each of the Jaguars' six losses this season. And the Jaguars are only two and six in games that Bortles did throw an interception this year. If that doesn't show you the correlation between Bortles turning the ball over and Jaguars winning the game, I don't know what will. And I'm not saying this to indict Blake Bortles. I'm saying this because, basically, if there's there's very little margin for error from the quarterback position right now for the Jaguars when they're winning games. And when they're losing games, you see Bortles throwing one interception or multiple interceptions. His only two-interception game that the Jaguars won this year was against the Chargers, and that's because the defense just saved the day at the end of the game. Um, the Jaguars simply need Bortles to play clean games, and they can. If they if he plays clean games, they're undefeated. Well, what they don't need him doing is throwing the ball fifty times. Right. If he's throwing the ball fifty times, it means we're behind, or the offense, the run game is not there. Yeah. And I think that's when you see Bortles playing his worst because he starts pressing too much, and he's not that kind of guy. He's he really can be a game manager, I think. It's just you got to have the run game to help him be that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm with <clears> you there. And we all know the defense has the ingredients to guide the Jaguars through the playoffs. 
if this defense goes on a tear where nobody can stop them like they were earlier in the season, I mean, the offense could play like crap and the defense could win the day Yeah, in uh, any given game. <laughs> when you can win two separate game blowout games when your quarterback throws for less than 100 yards, yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And now if this offensive <clears throat> line gets back to where it has played at levels this season – Wide receivers get back to some of the levels they've played at this season, and the runners get back to where they've been. I mean, at times this season, you've seen a Jaguar team that looks like by far the best team in the NFL. And if they can capture any of that magic getting into the playoffs, they're going to be one of the very hardest teams to beat. And that's there's a lot of ifs in there. I mean, that's the, right. And there the, was a lot of ifs coming into the season. Yeah. Which is crazy why mm-hmm. so many of them went well for the Jaguars. Yeah. And can the offensive line improve? Mm-hmm. It did. Can the wide receivers play better, even though Allen Robinson's out? They had their games yeah. where they were lights out. You saw what Leonard Fournette did. He missed several games, but he still came out with over 1,000 yards, over 1,300 all purpose yards, 10 total touchdowns. He had a huge impact as a rookie. And all these ifs that were free agent acquisitions on the defensive side of the ball ended up being better than what you would expect them to be. Tashawn Gibson was better this year than what anyone expected, even though I know this wasn't his first year with the Jaguars. But he was a free agent acquisition the season before. Calais Campbell did better than anyone could have expected. Barry Church, better than anyone could have expected. Uh, Miles Jack coming in as a young player entering a new role did better than anyone would have really expected. And uh, it's really a testament, in my opinion, obviously to the players, but also to the coaching job that Marone has done this year, how Tom Coughlin's been able to uh, help out in that regard, and how these position coaches have done a fantastic job. Uh, And obviously the coordinators. I think they've both done a really good job as well. So overall, I feel very good about the Jaguars going into the playoffs. And why shouldn't you? I mean, this is a team that has taken down some really good teams this year in some tough situations, and now they've got their home playoff game. They've got a raucous crowd ready to just bring it and do ball this weekend. And they've got the Bills coming in, who are probably the weakest team <clears throat> on either side of the playoff picture. Yeah. Well, I'd say no doubt. It's, it's the one team that you didn't think was actually going to make it in to the playoffs. I would yeah. say <clears throat> going into this weekend – if you would have said the Bills would have made the playoffs, you were betting on a prayer. And Absolutely. you can see that by the reactions the Bills players had in the locker room when the Bengals scored the touchdown. Or how about Bills fans the donating Bills fans. over $100,000 <laughs> to Andy Dalton's yeah, charity? That's unbelievable. <laughs> I, like, it's just and they're, they're definitely the worst. Not, I wouldn't say the worst team. And when you they're think definitely about the, it, the least likely. Even after season. beating the Dolphins, they were not in the playoffs. It took the Titans beating us. Yeah, which was a long, which was an underdog, and then it took the Bengals beating the Ravens, which was two unexpected games went their way. Yep. and then they still Oof. were the last seed. Like that's <laughs> what's crazy to me is though, but that that, that in no way suggests that they can't win games in the playoffs. Yeah, because they could. If LaShawn McCoy is healthy, this is a team that could beat yep. any other team. Maybe not the Patriots, but they could definitely beat several teams. I think if they if things go their way. And the Jaguars play terrible. They can be the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no doubt. They but can. before we get into them hot and heavy, got to remind everybody, this episode, as in every episode, presented by Bolt City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find them online at boltcitybrewery.com, 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And you can find them downtown on East Bay Street or in Riverside off Roselle. So big shout out to them. They're always helping us out, hooking us up over here at the Gin Jag Podcast. And make sure to check out ginjag.com for all the latest news and analysis and Jaguars fan gear. Um, and check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Now, Jaguars, Bills. 10-6 and 6 Jaguars, 9-7 and 7 Bills. Bills are coming down to Jacksonville. There are tons of storylines in this game that have nothing to do with this actual game. Uh, Doug Marone, who was the head coach of the Bills two <clears throat> years ago, 2013-2014, he was, well, three years ago, really, three seasons ago, he was the Bills' head coach. I think even Evan Wood, one of their offensive linemen, actually had a little kind of a shout-out to Marone saying, Things are much better since he left. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, their record hasn't been much better since he left, <laughs> yeah. but whatever whatever that means, it is what it is. Uh, you know, the Bills media, the Bills players, Bills fans have had a lot of negatives to say about Doug Marone. It obviously yeah. was a weird situation where he just kind of left out of the blue. There were some ownership issues going on with the Bills and some management issues, and Marone decided to leave we're not privy to exactly what happened yeah. inside that franchise or organization, but Marone left, came to Jacksonville to become the offensive <clears throat> line coach, ended up getting hired to be the Jaguars head coach after he was the interim coach, and the rest is history. He's guided the Jaguars to an 11 and 7 record since he's been their head coach, which is market improvement compared to anything the Jaguars have seen since 2007, really. So... Huge storyline for him in his first playoff game as a head coach. He's going against his former team, a bunch of people that really don't like him very much. That's crazy. Marcel Darius, who was one of those people who talked badly about Doug Marone <laughs> after he left Buffalo, uh, he's back with the Jaguars, and he'll be facing his first or his former team for the first time this season. And his uh, first playoff game, I believe it is the first playoff it game is. of his career as well. Yep. Paul Puzlesny, this is the first playoff game of his career. He started his career out with the Buffalo Bills, played there for five seasons, I believe, before coming to Jacksonville. Now, he certainly has spent more time with the Jaguars than the Bills at this point, but a great portion of his career was spent in Buffalo. There's no doubt this is going to be an important game for him, not just because it's his first playoff game of his career, but going against his former team. Now, both teams are entering the playoffs after long playoff droughts. The Bills were the first team the Jaguars ever played in the playoffs uh, in 1996, and the Jaguars were able to go up there and beat them. Both teams lost to the Titans in 1999 playoffs. Buffalo lost on the Music City Miracle. Forward pass. Forward pass. Never forever a forward pass. It's always going to be forever. Yeah. No, no. Uh, and the Jaguars just couldn't beat the Titans that year, similar to this year. <laughs> uh, and both cities... Fan bases have a bit of an inferiority complex with bigger neighbors. Buffalo's up in uh, New York State. You know, they get picked on by Giants and Jets and uh, Patriots up there in the Northeast. And then you've got the Jaguars down here. Jacksonville's kind of the little brother to Miami and Tampa and Orlando. Well, and, uh, even like Atlanta. Yeah. You want to get that, you know, that thing. So it's got both, both, <laughs> both teams have that inferiority complex and within their franchise they're their fan bases are just smaller than other fan bases, but they are passionate. You've got the Bills Mafia coming down here. You've got Jim Jag, Bold City Brigade, Teal Street Hooligans. 
uh, and Jacksonville, and it's just going to be a raucous affair. I think both fan bases are so ready for it. Oh yeah, I, I had a I know a couple people up in Buffalo, a couple of buddies, and I had a buddy text me when Andy Dalton threw that touchdown, and he was just all like, giddy and like excited. I'm like, damn dude, like they haven't even secured the game. You're yeah. already talking shit. Yeah, I was jumping around. Like, I know, excited. but that was good he sent me text talking shit. I'm like. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, you're still the Bills. <laughs> I will say, Bills fans seem to have just an amazing amount of overconfidence. They're just convinced well, that they're going to beat the, the crap out of the Jaguars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're convinced. There's, just, there's such a funny video where, of this drunk dude who's just like, well, you had to beat the Dolphins, and he smashes the a beer can with a hammer that has like it's the NFL logo cans, oh, and he's like, and then the Ravens had to lose the Bengals, and then we're gonna go to Jacksonville, beat the shit out of the Jaguars. He just starts hammering all these, and he's like, the Patriots are going down, and it's fun. I just think it's funny that like of all the matchups in the playoffs, and even all the matchups in a long time, these are like two teams that are like just the ultimate little small market, yeah. just. Very similar. Fan base, yeah, the fan bases are very similar. They're rabid fan bases, yeah, but they're, they're just not, not the, the high class fan base. Very I mean, re- re- regional. Yeah. It, there's not a lot of na- nationwide <laughs> fan bases. Yeah, but. like the people in Buffalo are proud to be from Buffalo. Right. I feel like the people that are in Jacksonville are proud to be yeah. Duval people, even though we're from St. John's Clay or whatever. But <laughs> I, I think the fan bases are very similar. The teams are very similar, very blue collar. Even the front offices seem very similar with how they really care about their own, like care about the fans, really want to take care of everybody with inside their own family. Um, I think it's a good matchup. I, it's kind of hard to see like all the trash talk that's been going on. Like you can tell, none of the trash talk I've seen at least has been like ill willed or it's been almost just lighthearted yeah. trash talk, and that's what makes it fun. I think. I yeah, don't know. I, These Bills people are just coming in. They're coming in hot. Like There's no doubt. We'll, I mean, the, we'll the see whole, when they actually get down here. And the get some one, drinks the one star, <laughs> the one starring the Jen Jag page is kind of messed up. But it like is. nothing they're doing is like just blatant asshole. Like they're not like Titans fans. It's a different type of rabid fans. Like I almost feel like they're like the same as the Jaguar fans. So yeah. it's kind of hard to dislike them. Yeah, they're franchises that you could very <laughs> easily say mirror each other. In quite a, quite a few ways. Now, let's get to on the field. Jaguars offense versus Bills defense. Obviously, we know the Jaguars offense has been inconsistent this season. However, in four of their last five games, they've put up over 30 points, which is hard to, it's hard to believe. I mean, just two weeks ago, we're sitting here thinking Blake Bortles is having a career turnaround. And then he goes and throws five interceptions in the last two games of the season. And we don't know what to expect. But I will say, uh, the the Bills' run defense, one of the worst in football on the season. And since Marcel Darius was traded to the Jaguars, it's even close to be, closer to being maybe the very worst. <laughs> I was in like, football. they could probably use a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, okay, interesting. So that is a good sign for the Jaguars' offensive line and a good sign for Leonard Fournette, which is in turn a good sign for the rest of the offense and the team as a whole. I mean, the Bills are giving up 4.3 yards a carry this season, 29th in the NFL. Again, that number is worse since Marcel Darius has left. Giving up over 124 yards a game on the ground. Their front seven has some names you'll know, but they're really not playing all that well. Kyle Williams is still their best player in their front seven. He's been around Buffalo for many years, but 
He's not the player he once was. You've got Jerry Hughes. Hey, who, he scored a touchdown last week. You do, do not slander Kyle Williams. <laughs> You've got Jerry Hughes as a nice pass rusher. He's not going to give you much as a run defender. Do you guys expect the Jaguars' run game to get back going? Against uh, the Bills yeah, here? It I mean, has to. They're averaging 141 yards a game. Like It's about time they break out a good run game. Last week, I mean, Fournette going for 19 for 60-something is not good enough. He's Fournette's got to have a 100-yard game again. Like We've got to have a dominating run performance. And I think a dominating run performance makes it an easy game at the same time. Like, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You slow down the game. You keep the ball you know, kind of out of Bortles' hands. You, a lot less room for mistakes when you're just being able to run the ball down someone's throat. Um, and I, and it, <coughs> it wears down a defense. Oh, there's no doubt. When you're able to sit there and line up, and just willingly run the ball, and they know you're going to run the ball, and you're still running the ball, that's very, very hard to stop. And it's very uh, demoralizing for a team because you sit there lining up knowing there's not a damn thing you can do. You know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. They're <laughs> going to run the ball. <clears throat> run A-gap. A-gap. Yeah, we're, we're going A-gap. <laughs> we're going power. We're, we're coming. And it, good luck stopping it. Yeah. I think if they can have that mentality, then <clears throat> and if they can – carry out that mentality, then it's going to be a long game. I think... And I think that style of play meshes so well with the defense. Yeah, it Just, does. I, it's an intimidating style because... And it makes points a premium. While like, the offense is not... While the Jags' offense is not necessarily going to be the most physical, maybe, but it's just mm-hmm. a wearing down of the team. And, you know, if the Jaguars' defense is wearing down the offense, the Bill's defense is going to start feeling that mm-hmm. because they're going to be on the field a lot more, and they're it's a very symbiotic, you know, relationship. I think if you as a team can just wear the opponent down, and I think the more success you have running ball, running the ball, the more you limit your opponent's possessions, mm-hmm. and the more points become a premium. So they feel like they have to get out of their comfort zone to put yeah. points on the board, and that again falls into them. Probably need to put the ball in the air more than they need. They want to, and I think that bodes very well for our defense. Yeah, I think the Jaguars like this is the best defense they match up with in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a big name defense. The front seven's nothing to really gawk at. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be pass rushing like crazy. Right, um, twenty-seven total sacks this season yeah. as a team. Uh, you know. It's possible. Jerry Hughes team. led the way with four sacks. Oh, like, so yeah. Bortles should not be under pressure. If Bortles is getting sacked more than two times, if he gets sacked more than twice this game, it's a like there's something wrong with the offensive line. Uh, if we don't have 100 yards rushing against one of the worst rush defenses in the league, there's something wrong with the offensive line, and he maybe even the running backs. So. That's going to be a big thing, and I think Bortles should have a decent game throwing the ball. Now, do you think uh, T.J. Yeldon or Chris Ivory is going to be out there this week? I hope uh, T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, it yeah. seems to be going that way. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a Chris <laughs> Ivory. I wasn't a he's Chris Ivory fan before the game. I he's got to be able to did. hang onto the ball. I think we did a keep one, let one walk with those two. And yeah. I was. I'm adamantly against Chris Ivory, not because I don't like him, but I think he doesn't give you the. The yin yang kind of yeah, and he matchup. fumbles the ball far too often. And Yeldon doesn't. I'm not saying. That I mean, Yeldon does, but Yeldon yeah. can do so much more. He and he has shown more in the past couple weeks than I mean, Chris Ivory was a healthy scratch last yeah. week, and yeah. that tells that tells you what you need to know. Maybe you'll see both of them uh, active this week. Who knows? I, 
I really think this week they need to give the ball. I mean, 490 needs a heavy dose, but I think yeah. uh, Yeldon and some Corey Grant in the backfield. They got to get Corey Grant more involved they in do. my opinion. He's too quick and he's too much of a change of pace. Yeah. For Maybe we see some special teams fun on a big punt. This I week. Think some, we, you think you think we see a lot of new things we haven't seen throughout the season? I would think so. I'd I expect think, at least. A handful of plays that you're just like, oh, I haven't seen that this year. I think the one thing is the Bills' defense isn't very fast. Like when you look at them, they're not fast sideline to sideline. So if I was hacking, I don't know if he's going to really do it, but I would imagine they would is try and stretch the field laterally a little more instead of going downfield. And and all those all those shotgun plays that are just kind of inside zone or whatever. I would expect a little more outside zone. I would expect outside yeah. zone. I don't think Fournette's a big outside zone guy. It's exactly. obvious with how he runs it. And you and you saw him struggling out of the shotgun yeah. over the past couple when games. When you're able to fill those tight gaps, it's it's, it's hard to run. Power. Oh, we don't run a lot of power. That's the problem. We're, we're more of a zone scheme team. So, uh, But I think stretching the field sideline to sideline opens up so much because it forces the linebackers to run. Mm-hmm. And when those linebackers have to run all day and it's not Miles Jack and Telvin yeah. Smith, like that's a lot of running. And that puts a lot of strain on a defense. And eventually you get linebackers that are quick-footed and they start overrunning. And then when you get the overruns is where you get the, the 60-yard gash. To, to me, <clears throat> the, the, the in the second half is when you really start to lean – on Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I think you got to have a good mixture of all three, all four. Yeah. However many guys he's running the ball, you just to get to me especially guys. early on. Yeah, and then really? once in the third, fourth quarter, if you start really getting some runs, let Fournette go. Yeah. I think a very big factor is you got to get Bortles in the run game. Last week yeah, he was he almost has. like he didn't want to run, or maybe they told him not to run because there was some times yes. where he was there was a couple times he could have first down. and yes. he could have ran it, and he was just trying to force. I don't know if he was forcing the ball or what they told him necessarily. Because for all we know, they could have said, "Listen, Blake, just throw the ball. Like, let's not don't don't try, don't, don't, don't get a first your down. Well, whoever's fault it was, it's stupid. <laughs> it was dumb. Needs to use his legs. I think it was a little too conservative, but let and him it run. might just be these are meaningless games. Let's get out of here healthy." And Maybe, going to run but if Bortles has to have, I would say if he has like 30 yards rushing, then... That's a big boon for the offense. That's yeah, a huge it is. That's a huge get. 20 to 30 yards rushing for Bortles is a huge get. So. Yeah, now um, the front seven really does not have the type of players to match up with the Jaguars' offensive line and running game and short game. But I will say, in coverage, the... Bill's secondary is one of the more impressive secondaries in football. They've given up a fair amount of yards this season, the twentieth or the twelfth uh, most yards of any secondary in football. But they are not letting uh, teams score against them, and they are turning the ball over at a very high clip. They've only allowed fourteen passing touchdowns so far this season, and eighteen interceptions they've had. So this is a team that knows how to get after the ball when it's in the air. That is the only thing about the Bills' defense that really scares you because you know the Jaguars, if they, if they have turnovers early, it can really snowball against them on the offensive side of the ball. So you really want to see Blake Bortles be able to overcome that. You know, they've got <coughs> Tredavious White, who's just playing absolutely fantastic yeah. football and coverage, um, despite Gronk's best efforts to uh, try to get him out of games. Uh, EJ Gaines, on the other side, is a less-known guy, but he's a very good 
cover corner on the right side. And then you've got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer at safety, who are both guys that can play cornerback. They're both good in coverage. They both have gotten after the ball this year, picking the ball off quite a bit. As Scott uh, zips his... <laughs> Must be cold in here. It's getting a little chilly in the studio. <laughs> Sorry. Scott zips his jacket all the way up above the mouth there. But, yeah. It's a defense that can turn you over, so that's something to be wary of if you're the Jaguars. But other than that, if you're able to get the ground game going, which you should be able to, you should be in good shape against this Bills defense. Oh. And, like I said, they haven't given up a lot of passing touchdowns, in general, they haven't given up a lot of touchdowns this year. Uh, they're just they're a team that gives up a lot of yards, but can kind of clamp it down usually when they get closer to the red zone. And their offense is capable of doing some ball control to limit the amount of possessions that their opponents are getting. So let's go ahead and get into the Bills' offense versus the Jaguars' defense. Obviously, we all know LaShawn McCoy is the X factor for them. If he's able to play, it's a completely different game. What are you guys thinking? Let's say LaShawn McCoy is able to go in this one. If LaShawn McCoy is able to go, and you can limit him to under around 70 yards or under, it's very, very hard for a Bills team to beat you. Yeah. That's if he's playing. I, I know... People like Tyrod. Like I just don't see him as a guy that's going to beat you with his arm. He's going to have to make plays outside the pocket. I think it's going to be a very similar performance to what we saw on Sunday with Marcus Mariota. Right. I think he's passing a lot better than Mariota this year. There's no doubt. But that style of quarterback play is what we're going to have to deal with. I think Tyrod Taylor is a very good complimentary player. I don't think he'll ever do the heavy lifting on a team. But when you got a guy next to you, Who's an All-Pro? Yeah, you don't makes, have to do that. Shady McCoy makes him so and I think, much better. I think he's in a good position right now because of that. I don't think he has a lot of weapons outside of that, including Kelvin Benjamin. Um, he, the tight ends, they, the can t- play they do. Ball. They do a lot to the tight ends and the running backs. Charles Clay and O'Leary. O'Leary doesn't have a ton of catches, but yeah, he has almost as many catches as their leading receiver. Deontay Thompson, their wide receiver one, I guess, has 27 catches. That's crazy. There was, I, I was, we were actually talking before, and um, somebody tweeted that the Bills wide receiver core has 1,474 yards receiving, less than Antonio Brown in 14 games, and the, and the fewest since the 2012 Chiefs wide receiver core who I believe is the, is the team that same, they did not score a touchdown. Yeah, receiving core didn't score one touchdown. <laughs> uh, Travis Kelsey did plenty of work. Yeah, but, he did. You know, um, yeah, that is pretty interesting. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey and uh, AJ Boye should have a fairly easy assignment this week. Put, Ram- to put, a lot of weeks. put Ramsey on Benjamin and well, I think Boye on whoever else is left. Yeah, I think the receiving <laughs> matchup. I think one thing is Ramsey knows Benjamin. He's going to be yeah. familiar with Benjamin. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think so, he matches up physically yeah, well. So that, that, I think, is you can almost cross that off as, okay, I think we're fairly confident in that. Yeah. Boye on there, same thing, fairly confident. And I think after what they did last week with Delaney Walker, somebody that we talked about last week being a guy that's like an X-Factor for the Titans, 
they handled the tight end pretty well last week. Very well. Okay. And he even made a couple catches. And I he, mean, he... But nothing like Delaney Walker's yeah. done. He's a Jaguar killer. Uh, yeah. He's killed us for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I think that puts a little bit of confidence in the linebacking core covering the tight ends. Yeah. I think, again, the the bottom line for this week is, is Shady McCoy healthy or not. If he's on the field, it changes how you have to play the game. Yeah. Because you don't know what he's going to do, how he's going to get the ball. And it forces your linebackers to be a lot more eyes open, ready for out, out of the backfield, stuff like that. He's the um, kind of guy that can turn a three-yard loss to a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, and he's a, the biggest thing really is if they're such, a, they're such a heavy tight end team, they're looking down the field for a tight end. If the tight end's not there, they're in a check down phase. Yeah. Shady McCoy's a like, yeah. Do you want Shady McCoy or do you want Mike Dolbert? I'm going with McCoy. Oh, yeah. So, as a linebacker, I mean, hell, Puzlesny can run with McCoy. Or not McCoy, with uh, Tolbert. So, <laughs> that'd be no, an no, interesting. No, we ain't put him on McCoy. <laughs> I would, I, if McCoy is in and you can contain him to, like I said, 70 or less all purpose yards, maybe even 100 all purpose yards, you should feel really good about your performance and you should feel like you're in a really good position to win the game. Yeah. Now, Tyrod Taylor, like you said, possesses many of the same traits as Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota didn't have a great game against the Jaguars uh-huh. last week, but he made big plays at the end of the game with his legs Yes. and did. really killed the Jaguars in doing so. And if the Jaguars are in one of these tight-knit games where the defense is having to stop the Bills' offense, that is something to be concerned about. Yeah, no, no. And, uh, that's, a, that's fresh legs that are running the ball, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, he's he's been their most efficient runner this season. He's only averaging right under 30 yards a game run, rushing the ball, but he's got a great average, and he's just that type of guy that can make the play on third down with his legs that just kills your defense. And the Jaguars have to be cognizant of that, and hopefully – Towards the end of the game, they're not in a situation where a key third down is going to, you know, end up costing them the game against Tyrod Taylor if he's able to get a nice scramble. A la, obviously, Mariota did it last week. But going back to the Jaguars' last playoff appearance, David Garrard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was able to kill the Steelers. (laughs) Yeah, I think... I wouldn't say you got to change your game plan up a little bit, but you you really got to force him to beat you with his arm. If Tyrod Taylor goes out and just whips you with his arm, I mean, it sucks, obviously, but... You'll like, take it. Like, yeah. oh, how the hell did that just happen yeah. kind of thing? But if you let him go out there and scramble and run around on you it's and like, make some of the crazy It's like places, Hack-a-Jack. Yeah. I mean, are you going to let him dunk on you all game, or are you going to have him shoot 50% at free throw? Yeah, and, well, I think one stat that was really... I think it came out today or yesterday that was a really telltale of the Jaguars' defense is that... The major the amount of sacks, the percentage of sacks coming from just a four man pressure yeah. is unreal. Yeah, I think it's like thirty nine <laughs> out of fifty something sacks have been from That's four men. Crazy. And yeah. that just means that we don't have to blitz. And we're doing what we that Gus Bradley was talking about four years ago. Yeah. You know, we're gonna blitz yeah, four the players now. And we're gonna drop and we're just gonna play coverage. And a little bit dudes. different strategy from the defensive line with Marion Hobby. Yes. He's come in and changed up the way those guys... They get after it. Yeah. It's a different mentality, but... And I think also the pressures they bring are very... Not exotic, but they're 
different and unexpected because I mean what, I, we, we saw AJ Boye, Boye on a delayed yeah. corner blitz. So, that, was, that was a great. Play. I mean Boye's got a sack. Uh, Colvin's had a sack. Everybody on the defensive line had a sack. All the linebackers have had a sack. I mean even Puzlosny's had a sack. Yeah. Barry Church has had a sack. Deshaun Gibson's had a sack. I think the only guy that hasn't had a sack is. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Maybe. Now, the Bills' O-line, speaking of sacks, has given up 47 sacks this year. One of the worst marks in football. The Jaguars' pass rush has got to be salivating, and they've got to get after Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Deion Dawkins, rookie out of Temple, he's playing pretty well at left tackle. I think you all remember him. He was a guy that mm-hmm. we yeah. had talked about maybe the Jaguars going after. Um, he's playing pretty well. Richie Incognito is still playing pretty well at guard for them. And other than that, not a lot of solid play on the offensive line. Yeah, to, in this game, to me, it's not necessarily going to be a pin your ears back kind of game because you do have to respect the running game so much. If LaShawn McCoy plays and it's, is playing effectively. Is yeah. True. But that's, that ankle, I mean, Shady seems like the type of guy that even with a bum ankle might still be able to juke out a lot of people, which mm-hmm. scares me. I just hope he doesn't play at all. Yeah. But um, you know, but even, he could be less effective. Even if he's out, play. that's still what they want to do. I mean, they're they're committed to the running game. It's just tough when your only guy's Mike Tolbert. They've got two other yeah. backs on injured reserve right now. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what happens in that yeah. situation for sure. But the Jaguars have everything in front of them. Their destiny is under their control. Uh, if they come out and play their game, run the football, and don't turn the ball over and give the defense a, uh, just negative situations, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to beat the Bills. Let's go ahead and get into our predictions here. Scott, let's start it off. Um, man, if Shady's not, if, Shady, if LaShawn McCoy's not playing, to be honest, I don't see them putting really any points on the board. Um, but like Moran, I'm going to assume he is. Um, I'm thinking you're looking at like a 20 to 13 kind of game. Um, I think with the threat of LaShawn McCoy, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, I don't think all that much of him, but he's still got he's that, still. that huge catch radius to where you can just throw it up and he can let him go get it. Um, I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be an exciting game. I'm just man. I'm just so amped. I'm so <laughs> amped to be in that stadium, aren't we all? Hunter, what you got? I'm gonna go with Lashawn McCoy. Twenty-four to ten. Twenty-four to thirteen. It with LaShawn. Buffalo? No. no way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot to clarify. <laughs> the Jeff. That's with, picking the Jags. With LaShawn McCoy. Without LaShawn McCoy, I'm going to go 27 to 6. You think McCoy's not out there? They can just really beat him down like yeah, they have I, at home recently? I feel like they might get a couple field goals because of a big play here mm-hmm. or there, maybe a turnover, something you know that just doesn't go our way. But without McCoy, I just don't see them beating this defense. Yeah, I think I, that's completely fair. Unless they're handed the ball and very still, the amount of confidence I have in this defense is after yeah. last week. Yeah, it's it's got to be up there. Yeah, so the Jaguars haven't been great at winning close games this year. I think that trend is going to end this week. I think the Jaguars are going to win twenty-one twenty over the Bills. Uh, I think Lashawn McCoy is going to play, and if he doesn't play. 
This isn't really my yeah. prediction. But I think he's going to play. I'm predicting he'll play. So I'm predicting the Jaguars win 21-20. I think it's tough. I think I think uh, Tyrod Taylor is able to some, make some plays downfield throwing the ball, and I think he's able to make some plays with his legs. I think LaShawn McCoy is able to just uh, frustrate the hell out of the Jaguars' defense at times and extend some drives. And I... It's hard for me to sit here and say I think Bortles is going to play a completely clean game. Yeah. So I could see maybe a short field leading to some points for the Bills as well. And it's the, it's the playoffs. It's going to be wild. The, the Bills know better than the Jaguars how, how long and excruciating the wait can be to make the playoffs. I don't think either team is going to go down without a fight. LaShawn McCoy plays. Jaguars win 21-20. If he doesn't play, I'm with Hunter. Jaguars could easily have one of their signature-type games that they've had this season. So, yeah, we're all taking the Jags. Uh, hopefully we end up being correct this week. We've all been wrong the last two weeks. <laughs> but I think most of the country's been wrong the last yeah. two weeks. Okay. So, Jags versus Bills this Sunday, 1 p.m., Everbank Field. It's the playoffs! If we don't see you in the game, maybe we'll see you prior to the game at the Jinjag tailgate party over at Strata Sounds, 240 Talleyrand Avenue, right outside the stadium, across from Tailgaters Parking. We'll be in the warehouse jamming out to some live music. We'll have free beverages for uh, everybody, free admission. Up until kickoff. After kickoff, the game will be put on. You'll be able to watch the game inside the warehouse if you're not able to get tickets to the game. Uh, and there will be a small charge for beers after that point. But up until kickoff, there will be free beers. We'll be rocking in there and having a good time. Can't wait to see everybody out there. We'll get there at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So come by the Strata Sounds Warehouse, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. We'll be out there. Uh, Follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. Hunter Evans, at CoachH underscore Evans. You can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-D-E-L-U-G-O. One of the few times I've spelled it out for you. I'm feeling generous this week. Uh, follow Jen Jag. Uh, follow us, JenJag.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out UCF Jaguar. He's still uploading all the latest Jaguars videos, covering all the latest news. Uh, he just released a Jaguars playoff outlook. Pretty in, informative there on YouTube. Speaking of What's Jaguars up? news, well, ex-Jaguars news, Jason Myers just signed the Seattle Seahawks to a futures contract. Oh, well, good for him. <laughs> I wish the best to Jason Myers. I like him. Just it's not on our team. Not as the Jaguars <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jack Podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And you can go check them out. Their new location downtown on uh, East Bay Street. Their original location in Riverside on Roselle. Tell them we sent you. And that's going to do it for the show. We really appreciate all the support. Please follow us on SoundCloud. Please review us on iTunes if you have the time. iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate it. And bring the noise this week. Buffalo, they think they're going to come down here, the Buffalo fans do, and hand the Jaguars fans a big fat L in their first playoff appearance since 2007. We can't control what happens on the field. Nope. But we can control what happens at the game. So I encourage everybody to be as loud as they possibly can be. 
Come out, wear your teal, enjoy yourselves. Represent first home game since 2000, home playoff game since 1999, first playoff game since 2007. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see you guys out there. Thanks for listening. And that's going to do it for the Gin Jack Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.